I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. I find their illogic and foolish emotions constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit. Ah! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. I fucking love that guy! And Chris Honeywell. He stinks and I don't like him. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this solo episode of Two True Freaks. I am Scotty Gardner, and this is going to be another video games episode. Today we'll be discussing my video game history and modern gaming in general. My beefs with it, and what really has to change. So, this episode should be a lot of fun. It should be a bit like the other episode of Two True Freaks that Dad and Uncle Chris recorded. And this one's going to be bringing both love and hate towards video games. The hate coming more towards the end of the episode, I'm sure. And the love is going to be pretty spread around throughout the entire thing. Getting to my early video game history, I started really young, probably the age of two, I bet, when Dad introduced me to MAME. MAME, the arcade emulator from a long time back. And that brought me straight into the classic games of old that was a good bit of their discussion in the prior episode. We'll get more into those games that I really liked to those later. My very first home system was the GameCube. Nintendo GameCube. I know I had the Game Boy before that, but the GameCube was my definitive access into the game's universe, I guess you could call it, of what is now the gamer world. For a long time, everyone else seemed to have a PS2, and I finally caught up to him eventually, which was on one of my birthdays, actually. Finally got the PS2, and (laughs) it was kind of sad, because immediately after getting the PS2, they came out with the Xbox, if it wasn't already out, and Everyone started liking the Xbox because of games that I will discuss later in the show. The PS2 was my second home system. Um, after that, we found a PlayStation regular from before that at a flea market back in home, Georgia. Our third system was the Wii, which we acquired a while ago. <laughs> and I'll discuss that with less enthusiasm because of 
my experience with it. Fourth up is the Xbox 360, which I got for Christmas. And this one is the one that I'm going to bring the most enthusiasm to. You'll see why in just a little while. Finally, which we acquired a good time after the Xbox 360, we got a Xbox regular from a while ago. And that one will also be a good topic to go over. So before I do anything else, I'm going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come right in with my early gaming. Disturbance in the force. You always sense a disturbance in the force. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Welcome back to the solo episode of Two True Freaks video gaming series. Once again, I am Scotty Gardner. For those who are just joining us, how in the world did you skip the first half of the episode? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Moving into my early gaming, we're going to start right off with the MAME emulator. Dad introduced me to MAME at the age of two, immediately. I'm going to say the thing that got me straight into gaming, as far back as I remember, this is the thing that got me into everything that I do today. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And this game was awesome. This game was a classic story. It had all the characters from the animated series. Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, Prang, who I hated, by the way. And then I know that the uh, Turtles in Time game came out after that. But I just didn't like that one as much because I didn't have it as fond memories of it as I had for the earlier one. Because the earliest one really was my gateway into everything that I do now. Along with that, we have the classics. Galaga. Very fun. I still play that today if I can 
steal my little brother's DS away for long enough to play some of the games that he has on a special game pack on for his DS. Then Donkey Kong. Still enjoy that. Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong 2. Okay, this one. I enjoy Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. I do. I like those games. They are classics. They will always be very good. Donkey Kong 2, or whatever this was called, with the little guy who would come around and spray bug poison at Donkey Kong and the bugs that he sent down out of beehives. Never liked it. Because, first of all, this guy was not Mario. And second of all, uh, you can't spray a giant ape with bug poison and expect to kill it. You just can't. And then, Pac-Man. Everyone knows Pac-Man. And here's something people might not know. I was just kind of scavenging through the emulator one day, and I came across this one game called Rope Man. And this game was kind of a weird game, because it wasn't anything I'd seen before, never seen anyone else play it. And what you would do is there would be an opening sequence of something that looked like a phoenix. And flying around this AJ dropped a couple of feathers. And the majority of the game was you shooting ropes at diagonal angles that would attach to platforms above you. And you would climb up to those platforms, and along the way you would get a little power-up that made you invincible. And you had a flashlight that could stun enemies when you flashed them. Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) (laughs) With the flashlight, for all you out there. And the game was pretty fun, I played that a good while. And one day, I just couldn't seem to find it, and I came across a substitute, Rockman, which is just an alternate name for it. Very fun. I never got past the first level, I'm pretty sure, but it's still fun. And then there's Mega Man, which was an old classic fighting game where Mega Man would just kind of go around these different islands and fight his way with the help of the red guy and the gray guy, whatever their names are. I know there's different versions of everyone, but they were just the little kids, and they could gain upgrades throughout the game, and they'd get leaf powers and... I mean, it's just, it was goofy stuff, but it was a great game. After that, (laughs) this one's going to be kind of difficult to explain, because Mario games on the main emulator, they still don't work. Mario games, I'm pretty sure I got more of an entry to them through stuff other than the main emulator, but I'm just going to put this in the main emulator section a little because I have played Mario games on the emulator. The And for all of you out there that might be rolling your eyes a little at this, I'm just going to poke at Super Mario Frustration. Look it up fuck? on YouTube. It's every nerd in the world that's ever played Mario, Super Mario. And they're just pent up rage with that game. Everyone's got it. I know. <laughs> I know I've got it, but that dude just goes all out with it. Very funny. Next up, the NHL games. These two are ones that I don't really know how much I can put into the main section, but the Genesis isn't something that I'm going to discuss too m- Oh, here's something I don't have in my notes. Toe Jam and Earl. Dad and Uncle Chris discussed this in the 
last episode. I just want to touch on it real quick. That is still one of my favorite games that will ever be. Still one of them. Toe Jam and Earl 2, not so much. Toe Jam and Earl 3 for the Xbox. That game was nowhere near as good as the first one, and the second one was even worse. The Star Wars MAME games, Return of the Jedi and the Empire Strikes Back. Um, Return of the Jedi, what I'm talking about here is the... It was a speeder bike race... Kind of a race game. You're just riding along on speeder bikes, and <laughs> I apologize that I kind of forget the uh, point of the game anymore. But I have not played that in a long time. Nor have I played Empire Strikes Back. Both of them were among the same lines. Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi were. They looked rather swappable. If I remember correctly, Empire Strikes Back was the Millennium Falcon. From the Empire Strikes Back, going through its trench run, which I just like to call the uh, vent run instead, blowing up the Death Star and then getting out. Getting in was far more easy than getting out, by the way. Those games, good games, but... (laughs) Again, I haven't played them in a very long time. Superman? Very fun. The fighting is fun. The boss battles are pretty fun, to an extent. I do have problems with Superman charging up his fists and throwing a HUD at <laughs> the other people on the map. The Batman games that I played on the MAME emulator? Crap. Every single one of them. Crap, 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 crap. I'm pretty sure there are some movie adaptions. Those were crap, too. Um, there are a whole bunch of Spider-Man games. Whole slew of them. One of... One or two of them were good. There was one where, I think, it was pretty much just another basic Spider-Man story, jumping up buildings and all that. And it was a, I guess you could call it a far view from from the actual action. The Spider-Man on the screen was pretty tiny. That game had a couple of problems in that I could not beat the first level. <laughs> I would not beat the first level is pretty much what it comes down to. I... Like that game, but then I didn't like that game. I just didn't want to play it after a few minutes of trying. And then there was another one that was pretty much Spider-Man street fighting. Not street fighter. Uh, but Spider-Man running around. I'm pretty sure he might have fought Electro, but I can't tell you because I got killed there. A lot. Evil game. Also not in my notes. Two X-Men games come to mind. The X-Men game that was more close up, which is actually now a downloadable game on Xbox Live that you can download and play with friends on Xbox Live. And then there was the other one that was a lot like the farther view, like the Spider-Man one. And this one, I don't remember much about it, except for it was very, very difficult. So that's what I have on MAME. And going from the emulator... I'm just going to back up to the entire computer. And we're going to look at the computer games, starting with Freedom Force. I know that they touched on this in the in the prior episode. However, I have to get this out because I love this game. Dad just kind of came home with a disc in his hand one day, a disc case. And I look at it on the end table, and I'm just wondering to myself, what is this? I have never seen this before. This is strange. What is it? And he shows it to me. He says, it's Freedom Force. 
it's Freedom Force. It's a, it's a computer game. It's a team computer game. And I say, okay, that sounds pretty cool. And he pops it in. And I was a really little kid at this time. Probably not much older than four, I'd bet. So maybe four, maybe five. But yeah, Freedom Force, very awesome. As a little kid, I don't know how I beat it. It's still very blurry, but I replayed it within the last couple of years. <laughs> wow. That game still holds up. It is excellent. A short time after Freedom Force, or maybe even a while before, I noticed Dad playing a war game on the computer. Uh, wasn't so Soldier of Fortune. He probably would have ran me out of the room for seeing that. But Call of Duty. It looked like a... It was probably Call of Duty 1. Fighting on the beaches, fighting on gray, sandy beaches, through rock valleys, and taking out enemies in encampments. It looked really cool. And that's one of the last times that a Call of Duty game has looked any good to me. Freedom Force 2, the Third Reich. This was also very good. Got this a long time after Freedom Force. I liked it better. I liked the characters better. Probably because there were more characters, but the characters in their upgraded form in that game liked them better. Story, I can't say much about the story. I still think that the story with Freedom Force 1 is better than 2, because Freedom Force 2 just kind of trails off of what I think was an original intent into something that I dislike wholeheartedly. Going back into the emulators, Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel vs. Street Fighter! And, I'm sorry I forget the name, but there was one more Marvel game based on the Infinity Gauntlets comic story that Monsieur Bailey was talking about in Comics Monthly Monday 28 in Tusher Freaks proper. So, shout out to Michael Bailey. Um, also on the computer, I played the Spider-Man movie and animated games. Spider-Man 1 movie game? Good. Still good. I played it... I know I played it on the computer, and I might have played it on the PS2. And it was pretty much the same. However, this is where I stopped playing the Spider-Man movie games on the PC, was with Spider-Man 2, the movie game. Because that one, they introduced... Well, they introduced Kraven and the Puma too close to each other, and I got the feeling that these were the same character, I just didn't want to see Craven twice. I have about the same view as Dad with Craven and Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, <laughs> glad he's semi-gone. Spider-Man, I'm not sure what to call them, other than Spider-Man, Inter-Electro, and the one before it. <laughs> is what I'm going to call them. So Spider-Man Inter-Electro and the one before it were animated games that weren't really all that high res, but they were still infinitely better than the movie games were. These animated games were awesome. They had a great story, great gameplay, not the best graphics, but hey, it's all balanced out. Great games. If you can, try to find them for the PS2. I know they're out for that, and they're still good games. Or, if they're not for the PS2, find them on the PS regular, the PlayStation regular. The Sims. We got a bunch of expansion packs for this game when I was finally introduced to it. For a while, I had never heard of it, and then suddenly 
I started just not exactly sure how I got to it, but I just started playing The Sims one day when Dad installed it on the computer, and we got a whole bunch of the expansion packs. We got pets, we got vacation, we got everything. House party, if that's even what it's called. And everything. Love that game. I could play that for hours. Who couldn't play that for hours? Um, Star Wars. Shadow of the Empire? Never played it much. I remember about one level of it. I do not remember fighting walkers with the snow speeder. However, I do remember fighting wampas and jumping around in what I assume was a sewer with what I also assume is a jetpack. Good games from what I remember. I don't remember a lot. Also on Star Wars, Outcast. Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. I apologize. Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast. Very good. Kyle Katarn is one of my favorite Jedi just beneath, if you'll excuse me, Qui-Gon Jinn. And then Star Wars Jedi Academy. I liked Academy better than Outcast, but Kyle Katarn is infinitely better than the generic Jaden name that they used for the character that you played as. Which actually I don't remember now, for the PC is different than the Xbox version, because the Xbox, they call him Jaden, but my memory is blurry on the PC version. They might have actually just used text to call him whatever you named him. You could have named him what you wanted him, but again, I can't remember. To wrap up computer games, we have Tron 2.0. And again, I'm with Dad on this. This is the Tron sequel. Better than Tron Legacy. I like Legacy, saw it twice, liked it both times. But for those of you out there that have seen Red vs. Blue, just picture Quizzler as the meta of that. And for those of you that haven't seen Red vs. Blue, um, I didn't like Quizzler, is what I'm trying to get at. Quizzler was just the growling put-in that was supposed to be dramatically revealed as Tron in the end, and... I knew he was trying from early on, but still did not like the reveal, did not like how they do it, and did not like how my friends in the sci-fi club that came with me instantly assumed Tron's dead. Um, no, because in Tron 2.0, Tron was dead in that. Tron will stay dead in that. And I'm just going to go off the path here for a moment. Everyone's speculating. My dad and Uncle Chris wonder why do they call it Tron. And my logic here is Tron is the symbol of good in the Encom system. And everyone else is the bad guys. Those that are on Tron's side, um, they're the good guys. Tron means hero. Just throwing that out there. Going from computer, we're going to go into Game Boy games. And I've only got a couple of entries here, because there wasn't a lot that really super inspired me from the Game Boy. There were, however, Super Mario Advance, which may or may not have been my first Game Boy game. I didn't get too far in it, and all I remember is that I never used Mario, except for a few times. Mario sucked in that game, despite the name of the game. And Luigi, sadly how mistreated he is in the internet world today, that's neither here nor there. Sonic Advance? Maybe Sonic Advance 2. I'm not sure. This was my introduction to Sonic the Hedgehog. 
I had no idea about any of it when I first got this, except I knew who Sonic was. I probably saw a few of his games in the MAME emulator. Possibly. I may have seen some of his games elsewhere, may have seen material about him, but I really didn't know all that much. But Sonic Advance 2 was my gateway into Sonic the Hedgehog, and I still like the character today. Spider-Man Mysterio's Menace. I have only one beef with this game. I'm tired of Mysterio. That's it. So, if they had replaced Mysterio with maybe Doctor Doom, this game would be at least five times better. Other than that, still a very good game, very good story. Gameplay holds up to an extent, but it was a good game. Um, from Game Boy to Game Boy Emulator on the computer, jumping straight back to the mouse and keyboard. Um, Dad kind of just found this out of the blue a while after everything else. And it kind of surprised me that there was one like this out there. I thought it was pretty cool that there was a Game Boy emulator for the computer. So I started playing everything I could on that. In particular, again, there are just three. <laughs> three is the magic number here. First and foremost, there was an Iron Man game that I remember for, from a while back. It was kind of simple. It was a far view of Iron Man. It was a side-scroller and you just go through blasting enemies. All I remember of this is the first level. The graphics and fighting were okay, but if I didn't turn the volume down very quickly, it was going to kill someone's ears. All I remember of this. Also, an Incredible Hulk game that apparently was for the Game Boy. I didn't know anything about it going in, but I liked the game. It was kind of a weird one because things would just kind of pop up everywhere and this Hulk seemed kind of weak but this game was cool in the regard that when you got beat just beat brutally heavily enough he would change back to Bruce Banner for some odd reason instead of getting knocked out cold um, he would change back to Bruce Banner and provide no help whatsoever no help sorry Bruce there was a dodgeball game that I don't remember a lot about. Don't quote me, but I think it was called All-Star Dodgeball. It was a good game. I'm not much into sports games at all, but this game, there were special maneuvers that I just kind of figure out after a while. And, again, don't quote me because my memory's blurry, but I'm pretty sure that this game, you could beat someone into unconsciousness with a dodgeball from a distance. You just kind of throw it at them a couple of times, target them accurately, and they just kind of drop to the floor and get pulled out of the game, much like the uh, NHL games. So, I'm going to take one more quick break, and then I'll be back again with the next section, which is my later gaming. Now it's time take a piss break I think my bladder would fill a small lake when you are done give it a good shake and then put that shit away
back in a minute or two. Nature calls from all that mountain dew. Chris has got to sniff some more airplane glue before he can start talking to Okay, welcome back. Uh, this time I'll be talking about what I myself am going to call the video game renaissance because during this time I was getting super into everything I was playing. Uh, the GameCube and PS2, playing the crap out of those, along with the PlayStation 2. And these were the games that, if I look past the Xbox 360 and Wii, and the Xbox regular, I'll probably remember these the most. So, without further ado, I introduce you to the GameCube. First and foremost, in big capital letters, Super Smash Bros. Melee! This game, I was introduced to the Super Smash Bros. series by my friend James Cobb. He brought me over to his house and I just kind of found something on his dressery and I asked him, dude, what's this? And it had, it was a cartridge with Mario and a bunch of other Nintendo characters on it and he says, oh, that's Super Smash Bros, man. So we hook up his Nintendo 64 and start playing that and I was amazed. Man, this game was awesome. That looked like Mario beating Link into cold nothingness <laughs> quite easily actually and it was so freaking fun and I knew I had seen something about Super Smash Bros. Melee around somewhere and eventually I picked it up at GameStop I believe maybe after Christmas or a birthday when I actually had money and I'd been playing that for a very long time I do not have it with me anymore but very very good game after that, Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters Melee. Shout out to Luke Giaconetti at Earth Destruction Directive Podcast. Very good. Go listen to that, will ya? This game is also one of my favorites for the GameCube. Godzilla, I'd heard of him, I liked him, but I had never seen much of him. So this game, I played it and immediately found cheats. <laughs> Had to cheat because if I didn't, it was boring to an extent, but 
the story mode was a bit hard without cheats, and everyone knows cheats simplify everything. So I played that, unlocked what I think was all of the characters, except for maybe a space Godzilla that replaces the random sign, but that could just be a myth. After that, there was a Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition that I had for a while, and... First and foremost, out of all those, because I do not remember the rest except for the very old, <laughs> very, very old Zelda games. But the the later ones, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. I don't like Majora's Mask as much as I like Ocarina, because Majora's Mask was on a time limit for the first while of it, and fighting the boss early in the game was very hard. It seemed there was absolutely no way to beat the guy, but I started playing Ocarina of Time, and that was fun. Don't know if I got far, but it was very fun. Uh, Monster Jam. This game was, as you can imagine it, it was based on the Monster Jam, Monster Truck Rallies kind of thing, except uh, the game is far better than the one half of an episode that I've actually seen of Monster Jam. This game was fun for destroying other cars, jumping around, being kind of careful with your car in some places, but fun for a old car game like it was. You attach guns to the top of your car, shoot out the other cars, not exactly in a big spectacular crash, but sometimes you just had to imagine it was. Luigi's Mansion. This game I got for Christmas one year. And I had to be very gentle with how I got the second one because I already had the first one. Luigi's Mansion was fun. I played through the entire mansion at least three to five times. Never could seem to get an A-grade house as hard as I tried. Except for maybe the last playthrough, but I don't remember. Next up, Hulk Ultimate Destruction. And this one is the best Hulk game ever, I must say. This game beats the recent Incredible Hulk game that they had for the Xbox because the one for the Xbox is subject to a degradation of video games that I'll be discussing later on. And it was not really based on the movie, and that one kind of sucked. But Ultimate Destruction, as it was as a standalone game, was very awesome. This game, you could blow stuff up all around. You could just run around the city tearing things apart, fight Hulkbusters all over. You had pretty much an infinite free roam. And you had two different places to go to. Other than the Incredible Hulk Xbox 360, you're stuck in the city. And sometimes that just wouldn't be any fun anymore. Star Wars Rogue Leader. I know we have this had or have. It's probably out there at the Entertainment Center right now. Played this to the last level, at which point I started using cheats, and I probably still didn't beat that level. This game is ultra friggin' cool, but ultra friggin' hard at the last level, because you're flying through an asteroid field, and I think there's a tram that's going to explode, or it's being attacked, or something, and you have to stop whatever's trying to blow it up or ram it. And you can't! <laughs> It, bottom line, you can't stop it. It's going to die, no matter what you do. 
Um, I know I'd played Squadron before, but it I can't remember if it was on the GameCube. It was probably on the computer. And that's probably where I played it. I like that one. Probably like it more than Rogue Leader, but I remember Rogue Leader <laughs> more than I remember Squadron. Spider-Man 2, the movie game. This one, because the Spider-Man 2 for the PC was crap, as mentioned earlier. Spider-Man 2 was very fun. It had great graphics for a GameCube game of that time. It more or less followed the story, except for the standard issue extra fights that they have to put in there to keep everyone entertained. Um, but the web swinging in that game was better than any Spider-Man game I've known until then. The fighting was probably better than most other Spider-Man games. And <laughs> now I'm embarrassed because I can't remember his name. But the man narrating the Spider-Man and 2 movie games and was also the French waiter in Spider-Man 3... Ugh. I really wish I could remember his name because that guy's just cool. But he was narrating the entire thing, and I played that game two or three times over just to hear his voice. He is awesome. Combo. Sonic Adventure Battle 2. This game is my favorite Sonic game ever. The Sonic games of today are all pure crap. They're made up for... People that'll have a little geek out over seeing Sonic in a game, but for those that actually know what Sonic should be about, they're uh, they're crying over the crap that's coming out. Sonic Unleashed was wow, who is smoking what? But Sonic Adventure Battle 2 had a great story. It's been adapted at least once. No, it's been adapted twice. Twice. Count them. Two adaptions. One for the Sonic X animated series that was on TV. I can't remember the station. Um, and it was also in the comics. In the Sonic Universe comics that are still going on. Check it out. Or don't. X-Men Legends 1 and 2. X-Men Legends 1 uh, was a better story. I like how it begins better than 2 because I don't like Apocalypse. But one, Wolverine starts off killing people. That's how an X-Men video game should start out, with Wolverine tearing troopers to shreds and beating the living daylights out of every person that stands in his way, because that's Wolverine. Two, no one was beating everyone in their way out of their way. No one was. Even Wolverine was not really doing his job in that game. X-Men Legends 2, Apocalypse does his thing and attempts to take over the world and fails yet again by a combination of the X-Men and Magneto's forces, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which I don't like the Brotherhood. I like Magneto, but I don't like the Brotherhood. So, again, kill Toad, please, somebody, now. If he's not killed already, kill him now. Goodbye, Toad. Haunted Mansion. Now, this game was fun, but it's just kind of a one-off game by Disney. It's actually pretty freaky for a Disney game. The entire story is based off of characters that you see in the grounds cemetery part of the Haunted Mansion ride. 
the groundskeeper who is named Zeke in the game. The groundskeeper who, when you ride down toward him, I think backwards you're going. You'll see a groundskeeper that's shaking his knees and looking around like he's just seen, well, he has seen a ghost. Millions of them. So, he's probably peed his pants. But that guy um, gets a little, gets some kudos for the Haunted Mansion game because other than the fact that he's using a crappy little lantern, which I didn't like, he's a good character in the Haunted Mansion game. He can solve a bunch of puzzles and he can take out a bunch of ghosts. Good game. Monopoly Party. I'm just going to touch on this real quick. Good game. Good Monopoly. Uh, good family game. And that's it. Moving on. Sonic Heroes. This... I'm also going to touch on this really quickly. This game was okay. Uh, some of the team aspects were crap. The final form that Metal Sonic has at the end. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, die. And the comic adaptation, quote unquote, that they used for that game. Hate it. A lot. So, moving on. Sonic Riders. What is with all the Sonic? Um, Sonic Riders liked it. Don't like that it was a sports game. But do like it. Moving on. James Bond 007 Nightfire. This game was very good. And this game is what started me in on James Bond. I had been playing this at a friend of mine's house. He had it on the PS2 and eventually I got it for the GameCube. But I just went over to my friend Logan Green's house one day and we started playing James Bond for what reason I do not know. And I thought it was pure awesomeness. So, I got it for my GameCube. And it was just a bit less of pure awesomeness, but it was awesomeness. Because, of course, the graphics of the PS2 did not transfer to the GameCube, but I still like the GameCube better than the PS2. 007 Nightfire had a good, classic James Bond story. Took out a good number of enemies along the way, and it wasn't just a puzzle solver. It had the feel of espionage rather than the fight-your-way-through kind of James Bond games that they are today, or what I've seen. And great James Bond game. Finally, for the GameCube, I'm going to touch on the two LEGO games that I had for the GameCube. LEGO Star Wars 1 and 2. 2 being original trilogy and LEGO Star Wars 1 being episode 1, 2, 3, and... A special mystery level featuring the beginning of episode 4. These games were... I'm not going to say they were great, but they were very good. Uh, they had, well, of course they had a good story. They were episodes 1 through 3. They were very detailed in explaining what each movie was. When you played episode 1, you absolutely knew it was episode 1. And so on and so forth. This game traveled all around, and everything was good until you got to episode 3, and then... Things just started getting kind of annoying. You said people gonna die? Because the final fight of Anakin versus Obi-Wan, there were major glitches with that level that sometimes I just couldn't get around and I had to count, count them off on how much I liked the game, thinking, wow, these are game ruining. How could they leave these in? Or they were level ruining anyway, but if you couldn't finish the level, you couldn't finish the game, so... 
And moving from the GameCube, I'm going to not go in chronological order. I'm going to go from the GameCube to the PlayStation 1 rather than the PS2. And I'm going to note the five games that I have listed for it. First, Walt Disney World Quest Magical Racing Tour. Um, Dad and Uncle Chris, and maybe Mark Buttrick from a very long time ago, have touched on this. Can't remember much about it. Well, I can't remember much about their reference to it, but the game is still awesome. I had first found this game, my dad had installed it on the computer, and we were playing it with my cousin Chelsea. And I sucked horribly at this game. And so did Chelsea, if I recall. But my dad was awesome at this game, so, of course, being me, I had to establish that I was the best. That didn't happen until we got it for the PlayStation 1, and now I can beat anyone. Revenge is sweet. Next up, Sledstorm. This game was pretty good for the PlayStation 1. This game was not horrible for another sports game. I played this game for a long while just to replay levels over and over and using cheats to get all the characters and get all of the upgrades for my snow sled thing. Thing of that. Anyway, and you could play this game, you could run over little animals, not that I approve of it, often. You can do all kinds of tricks on the sled and just mill around and if you want to, I'm pretty sure that with enough focus on the game you could manage pushing other people off of cliffs and, well, that's just fun in its definition. Next up, Star Wars Demolition. This game is from a long way back. Don't know if anyone remembers it, but if you do, well, good job. Star Wars Demolition is... A great game. Flying around as Boba Fett in that game was what won me over with this game. The whole basis of the game was it was pretty much a destruction demo rally. Fly around, charge up weapons in different kinds of vehicles, or maybe even not vehicles. If you took the right character, you'd be riding a Rancor through the level with guns on its side. Don't see the point either and driving around the stage with a souped-up Rancor. Imagine that. So, keeping with Star Wars, Star Wars Masters of Terrace Kasi. And apparently this game, a character from it, Arden Lin, was used in the comics somewhere as someone that Darth Vader actually got a hold of. And either the comics spun this off or this helped in the comics. But this was a fun fighting game that was actually pretty well made. Um, you could choose from Luke, Han Solo, Leia in both Slave Leia and the Bausch suited Leia. And what was strange about Leia is that some characters could pull lightsabers. Luke, uh, Darth Vader could pull lightsabers. But when you push the button for Leia, I expected her to pull a blaster, but she pulled out a big old staff, and it was a double-bladed red lightsaber. A saber staff. And I did not like that. <laughs> I would rather someone else had been carrying it. Um, in, this game was quite fun, but also it had its moments where you just had to throw controllers. Good old throw a controller against a wall and scream at the game style. 
I don't know who out there got the great idea that Tusken Raiders are amazing super fighters, but they need to be slapped silly because I played that game all the way through with loot to most of the levels and then I got to a Tusken Raider and I expected it to be a pretty quick fight and the Tusken Raider was spraying me with gas and throwing all these kinds of crazy judo moves and I screamed at the game for hours on it and I finally killed it and then a Gamorrean guard attacked me and he did the exact same stuff. He was pulling all kinds of crazy moves that even old Jedi couldn't pull. It's just insane. Just wanted to throw the disc out the window. For um, payback on the Tusken Raider, I always laugh if I put the game in just for a little playtime. The uh, Tusken Raider on that game, I guess they expected people to get a little mad at it for being a Judo Tusken Raider, so they uh, they named it H-O-A-R, which is, as you can imagine it, pronounced whore. So, there we go. <laughs> Next, a fighting game. Also, X-Men Mutant Academy. This game is pretty good, except for the graphics. Although it was a PS1 game, the graphics lobotomized the entire story that it's supposed to have. It turned it into a good fighting game, but the story that it was supposed to have and the origin little videos that it was supposed to have were lost completely with it because the graphics that they had couldn't support the story. So, still a fun game. Wolverine was Wolverine in that game, and I played it all the way through with Wolverine first and killed everything in sight, which is as it should be. Except for Toad, because for some reason, like the Tusken Raider, they decided, Oh, Toad's super agile, so Toad's gotta be the best fighter. Well, no, no. That's, uh, that's not how it's supposed to be, guys. Moving away from the PS before I do go throw the discs out the window now. The PS2. And immediately, save for the X-Men Mutant Academy, I'm going to continue Star Wars with Battlefront 1. This was the first game I got for the PS2. I liked it a whole lot because this was the first Star Wars game that I sat down and thought, wow, this is my generation's new Star Wars game. It was a war game, take over bases, kill the enemy, completely decimate all of their forces. And I got this for my birthday when I got the PS2 on the same birthday. A while later, I got Battlefront 2 and I liked it a lot better because this one had cheats. Battlefront 2 had cheats, and I started cheating on Battlefront 2, but recently, because of the games I play now, I stopped using the cheats for Battlefront 2 whenever I play it, and I try to play it straight, without the invincibility and infinite ammo, and wow, the gameplay for it, when you're not completely smirking at the enemy for trying so hard, but failing, this game is... Not utterly, ridiculously, Elmo Super Adventure horrible, but it's not that good compared to Battlefront 1, because Battlefront 1, on second analysis, is much better. Much better. So away from Star Wars, we go to Star Trek, a game that we had for a while, but I'm pretty sure that we got rid of it almost immediately because it was just another one of those games where you're in a vehicle, almost all the time, flying a ship around, and the first level, which was a tutorial level, tutorial level got really boring, so we got rid of it for the reason that it was boring, and the fact that it was the wrong format for our PS2, so we had to get rid of it, or A, it wouldn't play ever again, or B, 
be it would mess up the ps2 so burnout 3 takedown we had burnout games before this but we still have burnout 3 we have burnout revenge too but i haven't played this i haven't played revenge at all compared to burnout 3 I like this game a lot because this one fulfills the dream of You know what? I want to go crazy while I'm driving. And I can't drive yet. But this is the game where if you ever just feel yourself getting very, very mad at the public drivers and feel the need to scream at them when they cut you off in traffic and decide to be a retard on the highways, this is the game to release your frustrations on. This game, playing either Race or Road Rage, you can, in fact, do exactly as the title say. Take them down, run them off the road, get right up behind them and boost into the rear of them, kick your nitrous in right as you're about to hit them, and slam them off the road, and get awards for it. Isn't that what everyone wants to do? Ram people off the road and get awards for it. Awesome. And then, of course, there was the crash mode where people in moving traffic would be suddenly surprised when the front wheels of a car would come screaming through their front window shield. And the entire traffic completely goes to a 96 car pileup on a 2-inch highway, as it should be, in games anyway. NHL 06. Dad and Uncle Chris were talking a lot about the games, the NHL games, and the frustrations that other people went through. NHL 06 is my generation's NHL games. Well, my generation in 06 anyway, because now they have NHL 2011, I'll bet. Maybe even NHL 2012, because that's how they like to release it. NHL 06 was living up to the standards of the old NHL games, where it was amazingly, spectacularly, satisfyingly violent. In this game, you had sprint. You had a little bar under your character where they would have a sprint meter, at which point they could speed up, no matter what they're doing, defense or offense, speed up, and if you timed it perfectly, you speed up, and you cross-check a guy who's been coming from across the field. You come across the hockey rink, and cross-check this guy and he might do a complete backflip or he might just fall down one of the two you take the puck and you shoot it into the goal well score for you and you've just cross-checked someone out on the ice now i always turn the injuries off because well it seems the other people like to play dirty too but turning the injuries on i think i might just do that i'll probably go do that after i'm done recording all of this I'll probably go play that game and turn the injuries all the way up and watch the blood pour. Because that's how it was intended to play. But I didn't want to get my characters hurt because, well, if you did that, that would kind of suck. And my favorite takedown of all in that game would be a player would be coming towards you and your character would just kind of turn so that they were, so that their side would be facing the face of the oncoming opponent. And your character would bend over, and they would essentially tabletop them using their momentum and bending over, and the opponent would flip over them and land on the ice, and your character would just keep going. It was a quick little takedown, but it was awesome watching them flip over. That's NHL 06. Now we're going to go completely across the spectrum to LEGO Batman. LEGO Batman is my favorite LEGO game of all time. 
Lego Batman is, as it sounds, you're controlling Batman. You can run around as Batman or as a custom character. Who could be Superman? Could be a crappily made Captain Marvel. Not saying Captain Marvel's Cappy, but you really didn't have a lot to work with to make Captain Marvel. I tried it. Kind of succeeded. Lego Batman... And this is my favorite because not only did it have a hero story with Batman solving crime, taking down the baddies, imprisoning them, and beating the living daylights out of every crook you came across, you could play as the villains. And of course these are rather comedic, childish, Lego villain schemes, but it was still satisfying to play as Bane and suddenly you'd be picking up a police officer and smashing his spine over your knee. There's just something fulfilling about that, but that game is very, very awesome. Finally, for the PS2, my first experience with Marvel Ultimate Alliance. This game was the first Marvel game with more than a couple Marvel characters that I had to sit down and look at and say, wow, this is Marvel. The first edition that I got for the PS2 had a rather basic lineup with no more obscure characters, no Moon Knight, uh, no Cyclops. He's not obscure, but they didn't have him. They did not have Colossus. They did not have the Hulk. So uh, this was a downgraded Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but it was still very awesome. And when we finally picked it up later, it was still awesome, but it was even better awesome. So how awesome is that? And this game had a semi-great story, except for a few points that I just didn't like. Fighting the Kraken, the Mandarin. I'll just say the Mandarin because I don't like the Mandarin at all. Uh, fighting Loki was fun. Fighting the Destroyer armor was fun. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't played it. I apologize. Um, and every level was engaging. Every level was a great brand of character, except for the Mandarin, who I just couldn't get over hating that level. That level was the one that I had to play in Invincibility and God Mode, so I could get it over quickly. But, that's all I have for the GameCube PlayStation Regular and the PlayStation 2. And that ends my gaming renaissance. And after this final quick break, we'll be moving into the modern world of gaming. But just the two true freaks Dicks as long as your arms Beats all you never saw Been a flap in their jaws Since the day they was born Prapping on bats a Downloading films Well someday Demonza might get them But Green Cap never will Making their way The only way they know how Well, that's just a little bit more than good taste will allow. Just the two true freaks treated like they was dirt. A throw in a tantrum like a two modern day Captain Kirk's. I got the
Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com Heyo! It's Scotty Gardner for the last segment of this episode of Two True Freaks. We're going to finish this all out with modern gaming for me and eventually what's to come for everyone in modern gaming. Or maybe even what's happening now and then what's to come. Or vice versa. So, in chronological order, I'm starting with the Wii. Now, I'm going to be really brief explaining this, but I only have one game for the Wii, and that's Super Smash Bros. Brawl. This is a great game. I have very fond memories of playing this game, both very long ago and not so long ago. New Year's Day. I remember this game... I had my friends over for one of my birthdays and they challenged me to this game to see just how good I was at this game. So, with them teaming up three against one against me, I managed to beat them completely after about two or three tries. So, accomplishment memories, but this is the only Wii game that I have listed here because the Wii is the worst thing I've seen Nintendo ever come up with. The Wii is horrible, and what they're doing with it, the Wii is made for sports games. It's not really made for games like Brawl. The only reason I ever play Brawl is because I have the GameCube controller, so that's why I play Brawl is because it's playing the GameCube all over again. It gives me fond memories of the Super Smash Bros. Melee, and that's what I revert to. I revert to playing Melee, except it's Brawl, and Super Smash Bros. Brawl will all take me back, back to James's house, playing the original Super Smash Bros., so... And that was Nintendo 64. <laughs> so yeah, well, that does it for <laughs> the Wii. That was huge. So now we're going to move into the epic, the ultimate Xbox 360. This is my favorite system to date. Quick little note, a long time ago I read in some magazine that it was rumored they could have an Xbox 720. Don't know if it's true, don't know if it's still in the making, don't know anything. But uh, if you want a visual, imagine the original Xbox colors made into a UFO alien kind of shape. So, that's your visual. That may or may not be true, just throwing it out there. Uh, the first games I have listed 
because they come in chronological order. As the first games I got for this, um, they actually came with the system in a two-pack are Lego Indiana Jones and Kung Fu Panda. Now, I'll leave this for you guys to decide because one of these was a great game and one of these was an awful game. And you get to pick which. Ain't it a treat. Moving right along, for Christmas, the very Christmas that I got the Xbox, along with the two games I just listed, I got, in separate packages, I have Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which I didn't really give a second glance to when it came out of the package, except for the fact that, oh wow, this game was everywhere, this is going to be great. So I gave it that look, and then I played it all the way through, and I was like, wow, that's the game that everyone was looking at. And it was great. That game was so freaking fun, and it makes me kind of sad that the second one was said to have too short of a storyline, because the story on The Force Unleashed is great. As long as you played along the hero story, because if you played along the villain story and then you got that Ultimate Sith Edition, does it really work? No, it doesn't really work. Not as far as I know, anyway. Probably had to play the Ultimate Sith Edition for it to actually work, but playing The Force Unleashed... On Sith mode, you get to the end and you kill Darth Vader, does, does that work? No, it probably doesn't. Not that I can think of anyway. But I haven't played the Ultimate Sith Edition, so I'm not sure. But, moving right along. Batman. Arkham. Asylum. Before I say anything about the game, I want to say that this game had a great, great score. By Ron Fish, I believe his name is, so I hope I'm getting that right, because this game score deserves kudos. Crazy, crazy ultimate kudos, because this game was awesome, and then the score was awesome. Standing out amongst the score, there was this little part in one of the... There's a mode called Silent Predator, where the entire thing is Batman being quiet, being sneaky, and just taking down people as silently or as loudly if you want to, taking them down, putting them unconscious so you can continue with the game. One of the levels, if you played it and listened to the music, there is a trumpet solo of that piece of music, and I had to play that level over and over and just have Batman stand on top of a building so I could hear that trumpet solo. Man, Ron Fish did an excellent job with the score here. Now we're moving away from the things that you listen to when you weren't beating up baddies. We're going to move up to actually beating up the baddies. Um, this game was innovative. They put in a ton of new stuff. They made the free flow combat system, which felt to me like Batman should be. It felt to me like Batman should be doing this, should be flipping around like he is, should be taking down villains like he is. Something hit me during the Batman story, and this will show you how well they put everything together. I wondered, so why doesn't Superman or Nightwing come over there to bail Batman out? And early in the game, you hear a report by Jack Ryder, aka The Creeper, doing his little news report and says that the Joker has threatened to detonate 
bombs in the city to keep away other heroes from bailing Batman out. And, of course, with the help of Oracle, Batman discovers that it's just bags filled with marzipan and kittens. I'm going to assume dead kittens because that's how Joker works. This Batman story is, as it sounds, it is all in Arkham Asylum, and though a bunch of inmates, a whole ton of inmates, escape from Arkham out back into Gotham, this game, even though you're trapped on Arkham, and it's not as free roam as it probably says it is, the story, just locked on Arkham, Joker, you're taking him in after he was doing stuff at Blackgate, he had set the place on fire, and all of his men had gotten moved to Arkham. You're taking the Joker into Arkham, and Joker gets loose. And that's all I'm gonna say, because if you don't have it, you need to pick it up. Recommendation, play this late at night. Because if you start to fall asleep at certain increments of the game, you're gonna get woke right back up again. I guarantee it. I did. So will you. But why would you be falling asleep during this game anyway? It's too good to fall asleep during. And I've played it through like three or four times, so so it's definitely worth the replay value. Final note, this story, I haven't seen Dark Knight. I don't know much about Dark Knight, but uh, as far as I know about Dark Knight, it wasn't true Batman. He was riding a motorcycle for dramatic effect. He was... More or less flying. The Joker didn't... To me, the Joker didn't really look like the Joker in that game. Or in that movie, rather. In that movie, Joker... Heath Ledger has a kind of a roundish head. No offense, but he does. He has a round kind of head, a round skull structure. Or had, rather. He's passed a long time ago. I'm a little late here. But, um... He just didn't... He, to me, really didn't look like the Joker. But Batman Arkham Asylum comes along and this is a skinny beaten lacerated maniacal looking joker and he looks exactly as the joker should look skinny he looks like if you punched him he would probably just double right over which he does during the course of the game and this joker is in fact quite evil very good i highly recommend it and this story could be better than dark knight depending on what your view is. I think it's better than Dark Knight, and I haven't even seen the movie. Now, from the world's greatest detective to another detective. Not the world's greatest, but a world-renowned. We have Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, Legend. Now, I know there's Underworld and there's Anniversary after this, but Legend is a great game. Legend has a good, followable storyline. It is Laura Croft. She is shooting plenty of people, which I enjoyed heavily. And she is solving a good number of mysteries, which I enjoyed to a certain extent. And then I was like, okay, can I shoot more people? So, you do get to fight animals and humans in this game, and the story follows Laura Croft as she attempts to reconstruct the structure of Excalibur, King Arthur's noble sword. And it has a ton of King Arthur mythology and that kind of thing, and it follows her throughout tons of places, Ghana and England itself. She gets to battle all kinds of things, animals and humans, as I said before, but even a demon. You even get to fight some big demonic creature that you get a great flashback over. 
but I'm gonna move away from that and go to now these games I did not get for Christmas the year I got my Xbox but um, some of these games but some of these games still awesome didn't get them on Christmas but getting them was still very satisfying now first and I don't know why I put it first it's not first and foremost it's it's not even foremost but Call of Duty 3 is the last very last Call of Duty that I gave a serious shake of my head to and go alright this is a good Call of Duty game. It followed a good a good bunch of storylines. The uh, the Polish you got a final kind of final stand with the Polish until the Canadians came and saved them because Canadians rule. Final conclusions. No further discussion. Canadians are awesome. The Americans they're still pretty cool though not as good as some other storylines. Fighting for the English and French. Being in England and France, that was a good story. Everything was a good storyline. Kicking Nazis around, that's some great fun just saying it. Kicking Nazis around, great fun. Next up, see, this one isn't second and foremost. No, Superman Returns. Now, the movie I had mixed opinion about, the game, was even worse. I had this for PS2 for a long while until it went completely crazy with itself and Superman started flying through buildings. I mean, I would have liked that in the first place, but in addition to flying through buildings, it glitched to the point where he would fly into the ground, go underground, and just fly along the water, and that kind of ruined things. We got rid of it for the PS2, and we got it for the Xbox 360. My dad keeps saying that he's going to play this game, I'm waiting for him to start getting seriously, seriously mad at this game because this game is horrible. This game just suffers today's video game trauma for superheroes that Superman is stuck with set moves, set motions. And I know this came out before Batman Arkham Asylum. Even without Batman Arkham Asylum's innovation, of fighting style, Superman isn't fluid in his fighting in this game. He's not. Unless you pull up some super complex combo, some of which I couldn't even figure out, Superman was robotic in how he fought. It was horrible. The setup of this game? Now, some of the game is very fun. You, to my dad's quite joy, you can literally manage to throw enemies into the sun. Somehow. I don't know, it would glitch and then they would start going up into the sky and then coming from the ground and continue flying into the sky. I don't know how they do that, but anyway. This game was okay. You get to fight a lot of mutant monsters, you get to fight a good number of robots, because, well, if little kids see Superman beating up humans, then it just gives off the bad impression. I guess is their intent, but, well, <laughs> even the very next entry is going to wreck all of that but superman now i liked how it ended in the movie or well near the end anyway i liked how it was with superman throwing lex luthor's kryptonite island off into the sky i like the construction of the kryptonite island you don't get that very much or at all in this game what happens when lex luthor shoots off that kryptonite cylinder is a tornado starts a bunch of tornadoes start and I got to the end of the PS2 version and literally said to myself, what crap is this? 
So the end boss battle of the game is you're fighting a giant tornado, and you're shocking the center of it with heat vision and freeze breath. And that was the boss battle. It was hard, I'll admit, but that was the boss battle, and it was horrible. So moving into the next game, because I can't stand Superman Returns anymore. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, it's a Disney game. I'm gonna say that, but then I'm gonna contradict it completely. When I said that Superman Returns excise beating up humans because little kids might play it, I meant that. But in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, this game was shockingly violent. You could perform combos and then these guys would turn around exhausted from fighting. And then you would hold down one of the trigger buttons and press either the Y, the A, the B, or the X button, and wow, you would shove swords through them, nail them to the ground, impale them completely. Elizabeth, she had two swords. She dual wheeled and double stabbed the guys in the back. This game, Logan started playing it because he got the game. He thought, well, this should be a good game. And like I do with all the games that he gets, I sit down, I look at it, I go, well, if he got it, I have to test it because, well, I have to. I have to keep the house in order. So I test it, and I was amazed because Jack Sparrow, right in front of me, spun a guy around and shoved a sword through his abdomen and nailed him to the ground. And that was the first time I thought, wow, Pirates of the Caribbean could actually be groundbreaking, if not spinebreaking. Um... I'm going to skip over the game that I got chronologically next, and I'm going to go further, way further into the future. I got this at the Redbox. Redbox has video games now. Amazing, right? Not just movies, the Redbox contains video games. And for $2 a night, you can own, quote unquote, a game. And the two games we got were Spider-Man Shared Dimensions and the next entry. Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. I know it's gotten mixed reviews, but in my opinion, this game was excellent. Very, very excellent. I didn't like the uh, regular Spider-Man storyline, the, uh, I believe it's 616 Spider-Man, the uh, universe that we've normally known, so if I'm wrong, somebody correct me. I didn't enjoy that because, A, there's Kraven. Oh. I had fun beating his face in. Other than that... The entire level there was kind of crap. While the Ultimate Spider-Man storyline, fighting with the symbiote Spider-Man, because, well, if you're going to do the Ultimate Spider-Man storyline, you can't have the same Spider-Man outfit. So in that game, they equipped him with the symbiote Spider-Man outfit just for a little bit of diversity. And you play that, and that was pretty fun. But I knew off the bat, I knew from the ads, that they would have 2099 and Spider-Man Noir. The Spider-Man Noir I'd only seen in a in a gamer book, which I'd read something about this game, and I was just confused. I thought, what is Spider-Man Noir? And now I'm glad I know what it is. <laughs> I like its continuity. I like Spider-Man actually packs a gun. You don't get to use it in the game, but he has a gun that he carries around with him. And I thought, whoa, that's awesome. Spider-Man with a gun? That sounds almost just about as awesome as Hobo with a shotgun. Hobo with a shotgun. Look it up on YouTube. The Spider-Man moving away from Noir, which, I have to note, reminded me of Arkham Asylum, so I liked it that much better. But Spider-Man 2099. Miguel O'Hara 
is better than Peter Parker. Spider-Man 2099 is my favorite Spider-Man. So playing as Miguel O'Hara was awesome. And he gets free fall missions where you're just falling straight down like an arrow following enemies. Which I'll have more on that later in my disappointment. Not with the not with the free falling, but an experience that happened during the free fall. So yeah, playing the game, it's so awesome. So mixed reviews or not, this game is awesome for me. Now I'm going to finish this up with my tragedy story of it. See, we got this game at the Red Box, and I think we kept it for two nights. Both nights. And this was summer break, I assume. Or some sort of break. And I was playing it, la da 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 just playing my, playing Shattered Dimensions, guy from the Red Box, have to play as much as I can, because we have to take it back in a couple of days. I'm on the last level. I'm fighting Mysterio. Yes, Mysterio, again, who's been in, who's been the boss since the early... Or he's been one of the bosses since the early Spider-Man. Well, he was one of the bosses in the Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man animated game, the one before Inner Electro. And then he was the main boss, I think, in the Spider-Man movie 2 game. He was one of the bosses, if not the big one. He was in Spider-Man, the movie game, for the GameCube which I kind of sort of enjoyed that level, but then remembered, oh, it's Mysterio and had to hate it. And Mysterio's Menace, the D the Game Boy game, obviously it's Mysterio, so I don't know what everyone's biggest obsession with having Mysterio is. He was in the uh, Spider-Man Friend of Front Which sucks. Game. He was the big boss, again. Everyone's obsession with Mysterio, get over it. Make Venom the big boss. I'd like to see that. Make someone that's... Kind of an obscure Spider-Man villain, the boss. Make Scorpion the boss once in a while. I know he's been a boss battle in the other games, but make him the big boss. Maybe. Why don't you? Know what? Make Carnage the big boss. Make it an M-rated game. Make it an M-rated Spider-Man game and make Carnage the boss. Do that. But back to Shattered Dimensions. Playing along, la-di-da-di-da, Spider-Man 2099, uh, part of the game. Free falling, following Mysterio for hours. This is the hardest level I've played so far. What you gotta do is you gotta fall through rings to beat Mysterio. You gotta get close to Mysterio and you gotta punch out his lights when you get close enough. You gotta web up to him, grab onto him, and just beat him senselessly. Well, I was close. I was a web shoot away from getting to him. And this is just, this isn't too long after I had moved to Florida and we were just getting used to being state mates. It decides, alright. This kid, he just kind of just recently moved in. I'm going to screw with him. I'm just going to spite this kid. And I'm getting so close. I can see the button. I can see it. It says, web up to Mysterio or whatever it said. Just about to do it. The power clicks. Power goes out. And the power just flicks right back on. Xbox is off. I don't know if the game saved. I might have hit a checkpoint. I don't know. I threw down the controller on the ground into the laundry that mom had around me and I yelled at this thing and I stood up and I said I picked up the controller put it back in our chair took the game out of the Xbox put it back in its case and I said take this stupid thing back to the red box I don't want to see it so they do they take it back to the red box and I didn't get it for Christmas 2010 which saddened me but then I'd just get horrible remembrance of it and it probably happened again, but... The world may never know. We're going to move to Lego Harry Potter, which we got out of the red box as well. 
Batman, Lego Batman, was the best. Lego Harry Potter is the worst. Lego Harry Potter was not fun at all for me. Not fun at all. I mean, I liked Harry Potter when I first started seeing the movies. I was like, okay, this is a wizardry story that won't be completely drama, won't be friggin' Twilight, won't be uninteresting in every sense and manner. Watched, I think, the first three movies, because I remember I really liked Sirius Black. I know I did. But then I got completely uninterested in the movies and forgot all about the first three, except for the couple of times that I caught the Prisoner of Azkaban. Lego Harry Potter just sucked. I can't play it. I mean, it's not that I can't play it excellently like I play every other game, but I mean, I just won't. I won't play it. It's horrible. The magic aspect of it, it's not as broad as I think it should be. I could do a better job with this. And this game, they have millions of characters. Probably not millions, but they got at least a good hundred of characters. And you go through all the trouble of unlocking every character, getting every gold brick, getting every unlockable. But it's rather unfulfilling. Lego Batman had little, what they call, hints. And so did Lego Star Wars and Lego Star Wars 2 OT. And the hints in the Lego Star Wars would be like, Uh, R2-D2 is an astromech droid and he can do blah 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 blah. C-3PO is a protocol droid, he can blah 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 blah. And it would give you that. Lego Batman hints told you about the character's continuity. From that game, I learned that Superman giving Batman a kryptonite ring, which still resonates weirdly with me, but still cool, and unlocking the very last character, not gonna name who it is, and getting the very last hint in the game, and the very last hint is suspenseful. It says, the end with a question mark. So it makes me very, very hopeful that although there is Arkham Asylum and that's three times as good as Lego Batman, it makes me hope that there might be a Lego Batman too. Maybe with other DC characters and that'd be awesome. But Lego Harry Potter doesn't have hints. As far as I know, it just has little lesson things that pop up and annoy the crap out of me. Cause I don't want to know how to play it because, well, tutorials suck normally. So, Lego Harry Potter severely disappointed me, and I couldn't wait to get that thing back to the red box, and then Logan got it for Christmas, and I was like, jeez, oh, here we go again. But he played all the way through it, got all the characters. I helped him a little because, well, I was bored and he had something to do. But I'm just going to move away from that before I just get depressed. Mass Effect. I got this game fairly recently, so I'm still skipping over the one that I really am hoping to talk about soon. Mass Effect is awesome. It wasn't long ago, actually. I've been down here in Florida for a bunch of months. September 9th, I think it'll be a year, and that's unfortunately not too far off in the horizon. But if there's one advantage to being down here, it's that we have a sci-fi club in school. So I go to sci-fi club all the time. I've gone to every meeting so far, I'm pretty sure. I'm good friends with the people that run sci-fi club. One of the last meetings was about this game, Mass Effect, and I'd heard of it, I'd seen it, but I'd never played it. I'd never seen screenshots or anything. They came into this just geeking out completely. They were screaming their delight with this game, and they showed us a whole bunch of trailers. Um, they showed us Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3, which is coming soon to GameStop near you if GameStop is even still around. I'm sorry about them. But that's neither here nor there. Mass Effect is 
the story of Commander Shepard, who eventually in the game commands the ship Normandy, which is a frigate for the USC. Shepard assembled his crew, and they go out, and this is this is a Bioware game, so you know, unless you've never played Bioware games before, in a short sense, they're RPGs, but they're awesome. And Mass Effect is really awesome, because it no longer had the uh, press a button and then your character will stand completely static, go through a motion, and it'll look like they're shooting, like they did with earlier games. I'm not naming any for reasons. But Mass Effect was a third-person shooter. It even had vehicle levels. Driving the Mako, I loved driving the Mako. That was fun. Run over people and chuck people a mile away just by slamming into them. And that thing had a powerful gun. If you aim that straight at someone, you could hear them pee their pants right as you fired at them. So, very fun, very innovative. I like the RPG and the third-person shooter aspect to it. At some point in the future, I might get Mass Effect 2 if I'm feeling up to it. And then, much later on in the future, because, well, money is always an issue, I might get Mass Effect 3 at some point. That'll probably be well after I'm 18. I'll pick up Mass Effect 3 and I'll play that, because this could be a series that I might just stick with. Now we're going to move to what I've been waiting for for the entire episode. We're going to move into my absolute favorite, except for one, and you'll hear more about that later. I'm going to start right here and just say the title. Halo 3. This game, I had played this game a bunch of times at what they called Middle School Mayhem. It was a little group get-together of a bunch of people for middle schoolers. And you'd get together and they'd have sports going on in one room and they'd have video games going on in another. So what I'd always do, I'd sit down on the Halo machine. I'd sit down at the Xbox that had Halo going. And at first, I didn't know what this was. I'd heard of Halo, I'd heard of its basic storyline, or I'd heard of the soldier that was running around in it, but I didn't know much else. My friend Dakota Thompson, he was really, really into Halo, and he, personally, was my gateway into Halo. He's one of my best friends, and he brought me to Halo. Halo is now my favorite sci-fi. So Halo 3, I'm playing it, I have no idea what this is, and eventually I just get hooked. I come to every middle school mayhem I can manage, which I'm pretty sure was all of them, playing Halo 3, and I was known for being notorious on that game because eventually I just got unbeatable. There was only one kid that ever beat me, and it's because the two little kids, I mean little kids, they were like six-year-olds, that came into the room and... Oh, you want to play? So, of course, we gave the rule. The bottom two people on the scoreboard, because there are always four people playing, so the bottom two would get dropped. And they'd let the next couple of people in. Well, one kid gets in, and I knew him from, like, the bus, but I did not know he was so good at this. So he... I'm sweating my palms off, keeping on the top of the scoreboard. I mean, it wasn't too hard, but it was a struggle. So we finally get to the end of the game, and he caps the two little kids, and I'm second, and he's first. All by a lucky shot, but I give him kudos. That's when I had to get addicted to Halo. Right there, as I got beat, I swore that I would have Halo. So later on, um, Halo Wars came out. This was a T-rated game, and my parents have never been big on me having M-rated games. We got Halo 3 when I went to get Halo Wars, and now I am so very lucky that I did not end up with Halo Wars that game, that day. 
because I probably wouldn't be hooked on Halo like I am now. I got Halo 3, brought it home, kinda knew what to expect because while no one was around, I was playing the campaign on middle school mayhem days. But I got it home, played the campaign through all the way, first on normal, because that's how I always start. And then eventually I got really good at that game and could not be beat, much to my little brother's discontent because eventually he got to play it too. But I got great at that game. And I just had that for a long time. And eventually we moved to Florida and I brought Halo 3 with me, of course. And we got here to Florida. And what does the thing do? What does it do? That thing gets laser burned. <laughs> when we get down here, I'm just laying in bed. Because we had just moved in and we were just setting up and my bed was on the floor. I was playing Halo 3 and I popped the disc out for a second and put it back in. For some reason it must have been running slow for a second or something. So I pop it in. It's just got a little dust on it because moving had done a toll on everything. I pop it back in and I lay back on my bed and it says cannot read me. Thing's been laser burned. And I'm still sad about that thing getting laser burned because that's one of my favorite Halos. So I was completely on a Halo drought for the longest time. I, and I was reading the Halo wikis all about it because I, I had to have me some more Halo. Eventually, Dad had been going to the local flea market called Flea World. It's huge. That place is ginormous. And I didn't really know what to expect going to Flea World. But if I had known that on that day, I was going to pick up Halo Combat Evolved, the very first Halo, and this one was the Game of the Year edition. So it was a later edition rather than the first. So that was awesome. I got a later edition. Halo 2, I picked up the limited edition collectors, or the limited collectors edition, in a very, very nice casing. Only the plastic around it had anything on it because the dude was just... He was just being uncareful with his games, so... But it was still in great shape. The games were... I think they were about maybe three, four dollars each alone. So two games would be six or eight bucks. And three games together would be from nine to twelve bucks. That's not a bad deal, but the dude gives us an offer we just can't refuse. He says, Okay, guys, uh, I'll give you the three games for eight dollars. And that was awesome. That dude, wherever he is, deserves some sort of cash prize and Bob Barker giving him a new car. We got Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, and Burnout Revenge, which I haven't played much of. It's okay, but it's just another Burnout. <laughs> that sounds worse than it actually was meant to be. Played Halo and Com Combat Evolved and Halo 2 all the way through immediately when I got home soon after. And you know what? Very long before that, I'd heard about this game Halo Reach. And this was before I owned Halo 3. And Halo Reach, it looked like a, just another Halo add-on. And I got Halo 3 and I thought, okay, this Halo Reach sounds pretty cool. It looks like it's just going to be the characters in their next adventure. But Halo Reach is before everything, except Wars. But Wars sucks, because it's an RTS rather than a third-person shooter. Halo Reach comes out, and a bunch of people go crazy about it. And a bunch of people want it, and a bunch of people get it. And then it dumbs down, and I can't hear anything. But this is going to spark something with me, so I'm going to trail right back to Xbox games with Halo Combat Evolved and Halo 2 for a second. Um, instead, Knights of the Old Republic. Star Wars, KOTOR. This game 
was my first Bioware experience before Mass Effect. And this game was awesome. Had a great story. Had a great everything. I thought the gameplay was nice. The fighting wasn't as good as it should have been, but it was an Xbox game, so I had to deal with it. But Knights of the Old Republic, I loved that game. Played it three or four game, three or four times through, and I haven't played it in a while. And of course, Mass Effect seems to borrow a bunch from KOTOR. Same, almost same kind of scenario. If you substitute Saren in Mass Effect for Revan, or excuse me, for Darth Malak, you could probably have just about the same story. It'd just be a different bad guy. I mean, they're both looking for something of ultra ultimate power that eventually could probably kill them, but that's their problem. I killed them anyway. But, um, KOTOR was great. And now, Knights of the Old Republic had a couple of sequels. Um, there was Sith Lords, which was Knights of the Old Republic 2. And then there might have been one other one that I can't remember the name of. But, on the internet, sooner than later, Star Wars The Old Republic is coming. And I already have my account on theoldrepublic.com. That's S-W-T-O-R.com. And that should take you to it. If I'm wrong, well, scream at me. I apologize. The Old Republic is coming, and everyone's gonna love it, or everyone's gonna hate it. So, I'm waiting with bated breath. I know I am. Because it looks like Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect combined. You got the walking and shooting combined with Star Wars. So that's going to be great. But uh, I've seen trailers, and I've seen gameplay of The Old Republic, and it's going to be awesome. Keep your eyes peeled, everyone. It's coming. So that finishes up KOTOR and The Old Republic, and I'm going to go right back to Halo Reach, because that's why I wanted to do this episode. Well, no, it's not completely. I mean, just having the word video games in the episode title made me want to have a go at it, but... Halo is a video game, so I get my cookie. But Halo Reach, the best Halo game to date, and I don't believe they're done. Bungie has pulled out, but Bungie probably did it with smarts because I mentioned earlier that video games are coming to a slump. Superhero games, Superman Returns, The Incredible Hulk, horrible compared to some earlier stuff that they had. The arcade game of Superman was better than Superman Returns. Hulk Ultimate Destruction was better than The Incredible Hulk. Halo Reach is better than all of the other Halo games completely. It doesn't have dual wield, and that was a uh, turnoff for me, but it is the ultimate swan song. As people at Bungie have said, it is the swan song to Halo, but I don't believe they're done just yet. Because Microsoft and 343 Industries still own the rights to Halo. If Bungie won't do it, Microsoft better. The Halo Reach came out and a bunch of people loved it, and why am I saying bunch? Because it seems like just a bunch of people loved it. I know there's masses and masses of fans of Halo Reach out there, masses of people that are dedicated to Halo. My friend Dakota Thompson, he introduced me to Halo. My friend Joseph Graham, he was into Halo Reach, he had it. Halo Reach came out and there was a squeal among fans. It was a very loud, ear-piercing squeal, too. Not that I didn't like it. It was music. But then, Call of Duty, as I mentioned before. Call of Duty 3 was the last Call of Duty that I gave a serious thumbs up to. And Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was the last Call of Duty game I played without a grudge. Call of Duty 
Black Ops came out immediately after Halo Reach, and all the Halo Reach fans shut up and left, and I was set standing alone amongst all of these Call of Duty Black Ops fans that came from nowhere. I don't know where they came from, so it just, it's, where's the culture anymore? Video gaming used to be, as Dad and Uncle Chris stated in the last episode, there were some video games like that old Star Trek game with just pretty much the keypad Star Trek that only nerds could operate because it was just a simple game and it was simp- it was- well, I'm not gonna say that. It was- it was of a simple makeup, but it was a complex game, I'm going to assume. I never played it. But only nerds could operate it, so they say. But unfortunately, games have gotten to an accessible age where anyone can play them and anyone can ruin them. Call of Duty Black Ops put Halo Reach in the ground to a certain extent because while Halo Reach got a squeal from fans, Black Ops got millions of people shouting up in arms, we love this game. And I didn't see a difference between it and Modern Warfare 2. I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone out there, but... Black Ops sucked. I like Call of Duty 3 better than I like Black Ops. I like Lego Harry Potter better than I like Black Ops. That's how much I hate it and have a grudge against it for ruining Halo Reach like it did. That's how I feel. Where's the culture anymore? Nerds used to be the only ones that could operate certain games. I'm wondering where the nerd community is and where the culture is anymore. And now we're going to move away from the complaint and the hate that I stated would be here early on in the episode. Because there's all the hate right there. We go to what's to come. What's to come of the future. And <laughs> what's happening now in the world. I'm going to start with what's happening now. Because I want to. It just seems more chronologically logical. The iPad res renaissance is going on right now. Uncle Chris said that all of his gaming, or most of his gaming anyway, is actually on the iPad. And, also, motion tracking hardware is on the rise at the moment, which disappoints me because... Does it really deserve it? No. The Xbox Connect and the Wii and the PlayStation Move, I think it's called. They're everywhere. They're huge. They shouldn't be in my opinion, but they are. So that's what's happening now. We're completely on opposite sides of the spectrum, people. We're both doing things that you can lay in bed and use your finger to play, and we're doing things that take your entire body to play. You have to be up and active, so contradiction or am I crazy? Now, games of the future. I was talking earlier about Batman Arkham Asylum and how much I love that. Well, I got a gamer mag out of nowhere a while ago, and to my complete overjoyed ecstatic pleasure, Batman Arkham City is on its way. I need details, Captain. Tell me everything about him. This will help you. Remember. So we had him trapped. But he was waiting for us. Targeted sight dial one.
extraordinary, isn't he? Batman Arkham City, the baseline, Arkham is literally a city. Warden Quincy Sharp has finally fulfilled his dream of making a city into Arkham. The better the prisoners are in their space, the more free roam they have. But when things go awry, who's there to stop them but the Batman? And right off the bat, um, the thing that I see bad about this, and everyone else knows it too, but where's Robin? Where's Nightwing? Where's Superman? If... Everything's going crazy. Where's all the other people? I don't know. I guess they're just trying to keep it to a uh, Batman level, but multiplayer would be nice, people. Come on. Batman Rise of Senzu wasn't a very good game. That was for GameCube. But uh, I like playing as Nightwing. I like playing as Robin. Where are they? Tell me, people. Moving on. Uh, already discussed the Old Republic. Waiting for that with bated breath. Waiting to be a bounty hunter. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Millennium Falcon. You are free to use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. No disintegrations. As you wish. Because, really, you couldn't be that except for a couple of missions in KOTOR. But now they actually have a class for it, so. DC Universe Online is coming. Or is already here, actually. I'd have put it under the what's happening now, but I don't think it's made big enough of a splash yet to actually say what's happening now. DC Universe needs about another couple of months for this thing to actually appear on my radar as, whoa, this is huge. Maybe even need a year. But I'm sure that all the people that went to see Superman Returns and The Dark Knight and blah 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 blah, all those DC stuff, Wonder Woman movie that I heard is coming, they're probably gonna love this. People that liked Arkham Asylum, I know I'm psyched for this, this looks awesome, but it costs. Money is the issue here. I'd play it, but it costs money. So, there's the barrier. But sounds really, really cool. Check it out. And that's all I have for this episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I had fun recording it. I'm surprised I actually made it past the hour mark. So, awesome. 
I actually had more to say about this than I thought I did. So, final notes. You can find me on Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-Y-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. It's just Scott with a Y on it. My email, if you want to get to me, is Sonic, S-O-N-I-C-H-H-96 at yahoo.com. So, send me feedback. Or, better yet, wait until the episode, the feedback episode that my dad and Uncle Chris hinted at. And if I'm lucky, they'll have me on for that. So, I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope that this will not be my last Suture Freaks experience. And I may be around sometime in the near future on a show that will not feature just me. So, there's your headache relief. I hope you, I hope I didn't give you guys a headache if you listen to this show and manage to stay with me the entire time. But, until next time, this is Scotty Gardner, signing off. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. Video games. Microsoft. Shooter games. And Brit. Massive multiplayer online games. Marriage to Nene is just the next step in video gaming. MIT, OXO, Space War, and Fall. Coco and Intellivision, Atari, then Activision, Miyamoto, and Nintendo, Plumbers, Donkey Kong. Space Invaders, Pat Bat, Samus, and her Stellar Cats, Dig Dug, Turbo, Frogger, Cuber, Mario, Game Crash, 83, Adios, Atari, E.T., Paris Hill, Albuquerque, Landville. Castlevania Final Fantasy Dragon Quest Mega Man Wolfenstein and Bomberman Zelda Rap Look it up Your parents help you hook it up Me
Neo Geo Genesis, Game Boy, SNES, Sonic Series, Earth from Jim, Chrono Trigger, Carmen San Diego Chase, Kirby Lace is tough as face, Virtual Boy, what's in store? <laughs> Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Demanzacor of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.